This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tuesday night. Jack, any people in their cars are wondering what they're listening to right now? Because I do. Or they're afraid the British are coming. <laughs> they might be. Either or, one of those two. Or they know it's Tuesday at 8 o'clock, which means Bo Wolf, the athletic, is joining us. And Bo, if you were listening last week, if you're a loyal listener to us at night, you know that I made the mistake. Uh, and I don't even call it a mistake. I just had a, a crazy assumption that Bo Wolf was British and he had a British accent. And then we were... We were proven wrong when Bo joined us last week, and he doesn't have a British accent. He's going to be on the show here in a second, though. But uh, Bo Wolf of the Athletic covers the Philadelphia Eagles. does a great job. He, of course, around this team as they get set for an NFC championship game on Sunday. We'll talk to him about dog masks and see what he thinks about the song that Jack played us in with. Up next on the Swartz Cult and guest line, Bo Wolf of the Athletic. Bo, how are you doing tonight, bud? Hello, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Right, you have to talk a wee bit of footy now, isn't it? You know, I, I really appreciate this effort, and if we could do this the whole interview, it'd be great. If we can't, I understand, but I love it. Bo, let's start off with the important stuff, all right? When did you first see the dog mask? Was it in the locker room? Was it on the field with Lane Johnson? When did you see it? You know, I didn't see the dog mask. Actually, Chris, I saw it on Chris Long in the locker room before I saw it on Lane Johnson. Uh, I was I was a little bit later to the locker room while I was finishing up the post game story, and then yeah, I saw I saw Chris Long wearing it, and it took me until we got back up from the locker room to find out exactly what the deal was from from my tag team partner Shield. I was focused on the the fourth down stop, so I, I needed I needed to take a couple minutes to get what the full story was. Yeah, you need to refocus your priorities. Like the fourth down stop, you know that's a big deal, but these these masks are taking over. Before we get to the game, are you prepared? to be at the link on Sunday with, I'm going to guess, Bo, somewhere between, let's say, three and 5,000, maybe more. But I, I would gener- conservatively say there's going to be like 5,000 dog masks there in the crowd. Well, what I'm really hoping is that, I mean, you know, I'm sure that you've heard that like that specific mask is, is sold out now. I'm really hoping for like a diaspora of different kinds of dogs all over the stadium so it's it really becomes confusing for for the vikings poodles dalmatians whatever people can find yeah i I think it's gonna be anything you got it's gonna be the creepiest thing watching on fox especially for people not around here or don't know the story or casual fans they turn it on and there's just thousands of people in dog masks i personally i can't wait for it just like i can't wait for this game Bo, let's talk about what happened and look ahead. Uh, you mentioned the fourth down stand and the goal line stand by the Eagles to finish it off against the Atlanta Falcons. And really what was a, a big part of it was that the Eagles had a really good idea of what was coming from film study and, of course, preparation during the week and um, the way they stopped. And take us inside what you learned and what you saw from the way the Eagles finished that victory. 
So, it, you know, it was interesting talking to the guys after the game because they were all willing and, and open to say that they did sort of know exactly what was coming. And so you dig a little bit deeper, and on, on Fridays during the week, I guess it was Thursday last week because it was a Saturday game, they have the, the specific red zone meetings for the secondary and the linebackers together, and they go over, you know, what the tendencies are of, of the opposing offense. And they knew when they came out of the huddle with, with two running backs – and Malcolm Jenkins said they, he knew that they weren't going to run the ball there. They're not going to run, the, they're not going to run that risk in that big of a moment. And, and obviously you know that with the game on the line, fourth down, they're going to try to get the ball in Julio Jones's hands. So the formation was weird. You know, they had a fullback wide left. Obviously that they're not going to throw the ball to the fullback on that big of a game, a big play of a game. So you've got Julio Jones and Mohamed Sanu lined up to the right. And right when they break the huddle, and especially when the tight end goes in motion, Rodney McLeod and Malcolm Jenkins are both shouting out sprint right. They know exactly what the call is. And, you know, while it was really loud, they were able to, to get that message to, to the important guys. And, you know, they knew exactly what was coming. They defended it beautifully. And, uh, you know, even though they defended it perfectly, it's still crazy to think that ball goes right through Julio Jones's hands. Who knows if he's able to come down and bounds if he catches it. But, you know, even if that's, that tells you how small the, the margin of error is in the playoffs, right? Even though they played the perfect defensive play, all it would have taken was, was Julio Jones to catch that ball and come down and bounds, and, and all of a sudden we're talking about the long off season. You're right. I mean, three of the four games this weekend, really everything came down to inches or one play or a couple plays. It, it makes these games so compelling because you know every play counts so much, and it, it makes the Eagles win bow on Saturday that much more really intriguing to think back on because they didn't play a perfect game. They, they fumbled the ball four times. They gave it away. They had issues in the first half. Nick missed a wide open. I think it was a Trey Burton um, on the corner yep. on the corner route. That could have been a gigantic play. They dropped potential interceptions. The play you mentioned where Julio just went through his hands and yet they still won. And, and really a big part of that is because of the way Doug Peterson was able to call the offense and, and the game plan and the rhythm for Nick Foles. What did you think about Doug's game? I, I thought it was overall just an outstanding performance by the head coach. Oh, I thought it was – I think it was Doug's shining moment this season in terms of both getting the team ready and, and hyped for this game. You know, we thought that maybe he was sort of overplaying the underdog thing a little bit, the, the us-against-them mentality. But obviously it resonated with the team. They, they took that to heart. But then more importantly, you're right, calling the offensive game. And it's funny to say – okay, they scored 15 points, what an awesome job they did on offense. But if you, if you watch that game, there were still a ton of missed opportunities. And, you know, he, he made a few awesome calls at the, at the right time. That Obviously, that reversed to Nelson Aguilar, which he'd been saving all season for the perfect situation. That was awesome. Going for the touchdown right after that play with, with LeGarrette Blunt on fourth down. You know, who would have thought you'd go wide outside with LeGarrette Blunt? That turned out to be a really nice call. He pushed all the right buttons, and you're right. It's impressive that they were able to win that game playing, you know, maybe their B B game, their B minus game. I don't think that's going to be the case this weekend. I think they're going to have to play their A game to beat the Vikings. But the fact that they maybe they had the bad game, maybe they got it out of the way, got it out of their system last week. Maybe they'll be a little bit tighter with the ball this week and, and be ready to to play a little bit sharper. We're talking to Bo Wolf of the Athletic. Bo, the one thing that Doug has kind of hung his hat on since he became the head coach here, is aggression, aggression, aggression. And late in the game, the fourth down decision by Doug Peterson to not go for it, to not kind of seal the game on offense, to kick the field goal, to go to 15-10, to put his defense back on the field for a stand. 
One, what did you think about his decision? And two, what did you hear after the game about what he was thinking, the timeout, and maybe what they were going to run there if they had lined up and tried to go for the touchdown? Well, it's interesting because Doug admitted that, you know, he was thinking about going for it, and that's why he didn't just let the, the play clock wind down and then kick the field goal afterwards. That's why he took the timeout because he was probably leaning towards going for it because you're right, he, he has been so aggressive all season. Then he took the timeout, took a step back, and, and decided to kick the field goal. You know, all season long on these on these fourth down decisions, I've been talking to Facebook data scientist Sean Taylor who uses the, the New York Times fourth down bot, which is a little bit, uh, it's a little bit old. It hasn't been updated in a while, but that decision, I thought at the time, it would have it would have been analytically the the correct decision to go for it because if you get it and you score the touchdown, the game is over. It's a two it's a two possession game under six minutes. That would have been the game. Whereas if you kick the field goal, you're still going to get you know they have to score a touchdown, but they have a shorter field to go. Whereas if you don't get the fourth down, they're they're still starting a drive on the two yard line. But it turned out to be a toss up, exactly a toss up. So, you know, I think Doug probably, you know, obviously it's easy to say the game's over. He made the right decision, but he decided to trust the unit that was, you know, that is his best unit right now, put the hands, put the game in the hands of the defense. And obviously they, uh, it, that turned out to be right. They bent, but, but they didn't break. Bo, you mentioned uh, this coming game, the NFC title game against the Vikings. I rewatch the NFL Network's replaying the Viking States game in front of me here. And it's early in the game as I look up. So the Vikings defense is dominating and, Yesterday, Doug Peterson, the first time I heard him speak this week after the game, and I think he used the word daunting as the task that his offense has against this Vikings defense. When you, when you kind of look forward to Sunday, I think everyone has in their mind this is going to be almost a fight for every yard. Do you see it that way? And, and do you see a way the Eagles can move the ball on the Vikings? Because, I mean, the first half of that game I watched Sunday, they looked as good as any defense I've seen in a long time. Some of the numbers say they're the, one of the best third down defenses ever. This really is going to be a big challenge for Doug. I think he's up for it, but it's going to be a tough one. Well, let's start with the third down defense because it really is its crazy how good the Vikings are on third down. You know, league average, you, you uh, allow about 38.5% of the time the, the opposition to convert on third down. The Vikings are the best in the league at 26%, which is crazy. The Eagles are second best at 32%, but that's even, even that's a big gap. But then you, you go even deeper – and the Vikings are the best third-down defense in the league on two yards or fewer. Then you go middle range. They're the best in the league from three to six yards. And then really the most impressive one is seven to ten yards, third and long. They're best in the league at under 13%. The league average is over 30%. So they are equipped to stop the play on third down really from any dimension. But you're right. I think if you're an Eagles fan, what you're hanging your hat on for the offense this game is Doug Peterson. He's, he's shown time and time again this season that he's going to be prepared for uh, certain wrinkles for the opposition. And one thing to worry about if you're, if you're Nick Foles is last week you're going up against that, that Seahawks-style defense where you sort of know what's coming at every point, whereas this week with Mike Zimmer, one of the reasons they're so good on third down is, is it, well, it's twofold. You've got in really impressive personnel, but you've also got Mike Zimmer who's got all kinds of different things cooked up. So it's going to be tough for Nick Foles to identify things at the line of scrimmage. I think it does sort of come down to what you think about Doug Peterson. The one saving grace I'll say about this Vikings defense is the four times during the regular season that they gave up over 20 points were all on the road. So they, they are much better at home than they are on the road. So you think that maybe 
getting them uh, at Lincoln Financial Field in front of all those dog masks could could make them a little bit more vulnerable. It could, especially if there's a lot of dog masks, which I think we both think there will be. Bo, we'll wrap with this because you brought up the home field, and I look at this game as very even. Um, if anyone has an advantage, maybe it's the Vikings a little bit roster to roster, but it's very close. But the home field and Doug is is making me lean towards, you know what, they might just get to the Super Bowl. Uh, well, you've been there. You were there Saturday. For me at home on television, it was as loud as I can remember the link probably since the NFC title game when they beat the Falcons in 2005. It's been a long time. How big do you think home field is this week, both from a, a realistic perspective of the Vikings, what they are, they are at home versus the road, and just the loudness that the Vikings offense and Case Keenum is going to face here? Well, I think it's a big factor. And, and the other reason, you know, in addition to just the sheer noise factor from the Eagles defense is I think you're right. If you go unit by unit that maybe the Vikings – have the edge at, at more places than the Eagles do. But I think the biggest mismatch in this game is the Eagles' defensive line against the Vikings' offensive line. You know, the Vikings' offensive line, the starters who played last week, that's the first game all season that those five guys have played together at those positions. So they don't have a ton of experience in that situation. Going on the road, you know, having to go silent count against such a vaunted pass rush that the Eagles have, I think that specific matchup, if the Eagles are going to win this game, I think it's going to be on the strength of a, of a dominant performance from the defensive line. And obviously, the Eagles fans have, a, have an actual chance to help out in that capacity. Bo, we really appreciate you joining us here. Enjoy the game. We'll be reading you over at The Athletic. And, uh, and go enjoy a pint, all right? All right. Thanks again, Joe. There he goes. Bo Wolf of The Athletic, who may have a British accent. Now I'm not even sure. Now I feel like maybe I was right about this thing the whole time, and maybe I'm just crazy. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.